If you are vulnerable to psychic damage from roguish language, stay away from these gibbering mouths. But if you intend on listening to this podcast about enriching your fantastical group hallucinations, you're too far gone already. Your next game is going to be A, linear, or B, full of choices. And here's why. In this episode, we're going to find some answers to why does choice matter so much? And what is the checklist for meaningful choices? And what are some neat little daggers you can use in your games? <laughs> that, had, that was just a roller coaster of like importance. It's like, yeah. how do you change the scope of your game in its entirety? And then also... Want to get stabby? (laughs) Yeah. Here's some neat pokers. Welcome to the Hook and Chance podcast. I'm Travis. And I'm his brother, Jordan. You're walking down a narrow tunnel crafted by ancient dwarven hands. There's a fork ahead. One leads to the left where you can hear the faint sound of someone crying in pain. And from the right, you can hear the sound of metal ringing against a metal. Perhaps some kind of combat. Which path do you take? Oh, that's a... Oh, tough choice. Uh, I'm going to go to the towards... You follow the tunnel and come out to the scene of a bandit advancing on an injured warrior who cries out in pain. Another bandit that you can see is locked in combat with a dwarven warrior. Did I take the same tunnel? That it, uh, like, are the two tunnels converging into one? <laughs> yeah. Did they I both, get a choice? They both empty, empty into the same room. It was a choice. Oh, I see. two tunnels. It was just two, two sides of the same tunnel leading into the same room. <laughs> yeah. That was very uninspired <laughs> and made me feel like a bit of a dink. Shows you right. <laughs> For choosing. Yeah, well, I think you probably skimped a little bit on your planning this week. Is that, <laughs> is that what happened? I'm trying to make it seem interesting. Yeah, you got a little little short on time and you decided to just cut some corners in terms of your DM <laughs> planning. The point here is that I've honestly been in situations where I thought that I was providing choices to players when I've been DMing. Oh, yeah. And then been like, oh, well... Uh, yeah, this is how I wanted it to go, so it's going to go this way. I do this all the time, and it's not good. I'm <laughs> I'm fully admitting that there has been opportunities to shortcut and to even trick myself into thinking that I was delivering some amazing depth and richness and being able to choose A or B or C or D, and there's so much... This, this is a living world. This is your sandbox you can play, but really there is one choice. One and ending. no matter which way you go, it'll all end in the same scenario. Yeah. Which is just, as on the player side of it, I've been on that side too, and it just makes you sit back and lose interest in the story that's unfolding because you realize that you're not a part of it. As soon as you've seen behind the curtain, once you've seen that it all inexorably leads to the same conclusion... And you see how the sausage is made. Who gives a shit? Instagram is far more interesting. (laughs) I'll just say whatever and do whatever until the story reaches its end, I guess. You know where you're going. I'll just sit down and play along. (laughs) Well, I think the genesis of this whole idea was a conversation that was happening on our Discord that was all about how to give 
players' meaningful choices. And that started us in this really in-depth conversation where we went back and forth around what really defines great player choice and how do you give players meaningful choice, not just choice, because choice for the sake of choice is just fluff. Yeah. But meaningful choice where the players know, not just give the illusion of, but truly know that they are indeed affecting the story. That if they weren't there and they were replaced with a different player, this story would be different. Every player has a hand in crafting this narrative and what is happening in the world. I think that's, yeah, that's so important because that's why we're sitting down and playing D&D. We'd be watching movies or playing more linear video games if we wanted that experience. I personally have approached games with the idea that I'm going to give them ultimate choice and we're just going to meander through this world. And then on the very opposite end of the scale, I've got a story I'm going to tell and fuck you if you mess with that. <laughs> like I'm going to I'm going to lead you kicking and screaming through my narrative and I don't care which way you decide to go, I'll pull you back onto my track. Your choices are what you say in cutscenes that I allow. <laughs> Other than that, you're on my rails. All right, so you understand what we're trying to say. Meaningful choices matter. So let's get into the strategy stateroom and and give you something to actually use. This is the strategy stateroom, where inventive and cunning tactics are crafted for when they're needed most. So there's so many different ways to think about how to make decisions meaningful in D&D. And we found a framework that really honed in on what we thought was important. If it's too complex and convoluted, it's not going to work. Doesn't really serve a purpose. So you found one that was concise and usable. And that came from a man named Bryce Morrison. Yeah, he was a professional game designer for nine years and specializes in game economies and revenue formerly a lead designer at Zynga, and this was from a blog on Gamasutra.com. And it included these four basic components to kind of use as a checklist when you're creating those decision points in your games. And it's giving the players awareness of the choices that they're making, giving them consequences afterwards, giving them reminders of the choices later in the game, and making those choices permanent. You got me with the permanent bit. Yeah. When I know my choices are in fact permanent and have real world consequences within the game that I'm playing, my God, I I can't handle that level of stress. <laughs> Don't say that. I start searching for game FAQs and I'm like, no, this stuff really matters. What have I done? And that's where you really get players thinking about their impact on the world. And that's why this is so so powerful. But you and I ran through all of these four steps and they were really good. Yeah. Like we used these in our own game and they made all the difference in the world. Yeah. It really fleshed out a thought that we had had. Before you get to these, remember, you got to find out what's meaningful to the players at your table and their characters. Because if you're running a game for a bunch of druids that don't care about money and you say, <laughs> Do you choose to go for the treasure pile or the the child that needs your help? Uh, well, <laughs> that's not a really. Yeah, <laughs> none of us can use money. All we use is <laughs> sticks for weapons. So yeah, fat lot of good that's gonna do us. 
No, you're totally right. Before you even get to the decision point, before you start to use these plans, a part of it is absolutely just knowing the characters, know what matters to them, know where they sit morally. That will make this all the much easier to actually apply. But to go through them again, awareness, consequence, reminders, and permanence. So let's dive into the actual steps and explain each one of those in more detail. So the first one, awareness, is just making sure that the the players at the table know what choice they're even making. In that earlier example, if I were to just say there's a tunnel to the left and a tunnel to the right, you got nothing to go on. Yeah. You're just flipping a coin and it's a useless decision point. Well, and I've I've found myself in this trick before of trying to decide how much information to give. And I eventually got myself out of it because the more information that the players have of the stakes and what's at hand and all of the different little details, I mean, you can come across an NPC that has an absurd amount of knowledge as to what's going on in the city. Because a neat note that you have as a DM on a notepad that says, oh, wow, this is really interesting because uh, what they do, what the players don't know is that the, <laughs> the Grand Chancellor is actually a... And it's like, who gives a shit? It's, it's on your notepad and they will never discover that. Unless you tell them. Unless you tell them. So the NPC happens to know that they are, hey, rumor has it, they're actually the Grand... Because who gives a shit? Just let some of your great grand ideas go yeah, and just let them be out there in the world where they can be played with with by the players. And and if you're sitting there struggling with how to introduce them, just throw a rock through their window with a note tied to it. Like it's better to get that information <laughs> in their hands than to s- struggle over how. I like I just I love the <laughs> just have a random person in the street just come and punch them in the face and on their brass knuckles are the letters the chancellor the... <laughs> is and it's embedded into their folk. fucking forehead. <laughs> you can't get more obvious than that. Like make the players aware of the choices. It just it doesn't matter if the NPC knows a little bit more than they should. Yeah. Give them the information to make the choice. Next one is consequences. This is powerful. A little too powerful. This is this is challenging to get into for me, is just trying to understand the consequence. And I think this goes along with some of the NPCs as well, is that the NPCs have the information. Give the information. It doesn't matter if it's, it feels a little bit heavy-handed, but they deliver the information. Next, they need to give a consequence to that. And... I find the best way to do this is just in opinion. Hmm. The NPC that the players are talking to has thoughts and feelings. So why not express them? Everyone talks. Yeah. Everyone has opinions. And not a lot of people are shy <laughs> about giving you their opinions. Yeah. So if you have two rival factions in a city, people are going to have an opinion of one of the two. Yes, I think that these people are in the right. And and that way you can actually lay out the consequences of a decision. But of course, you need to extrapolate on that a little bit more to give the players something to go off of. And again, like the clearer the better. If you've got those two factions, then the players can talk to one of them and they'll just tell them, like, if you help me, I will do this. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's as simple as <laughs> we that. We've got the info we need to make a good decision and that we feel good about. This can be done on a much smaller scale. There are consequences to every action. Sometimes they're less obvious, like what we're talking about, whether it's the needs and motivations of a certain political affiliation within your world, but sometimes it's as simple as there is a bad guy escaping and there is a person hanging on a ledge. There's an NPC in danger or there's a violent criminal that's about to get away. Which do you do? We understand the consequences. Right. And if you're making that plan as a dungeon master, you don't have to flesh it out yet. You don't have to know all the crimes that that villain's going to commit. And you don't have to know all the good that the NPC is going to do if you save them. Like, you flesh it out as they do it. Yeah. I think something else that I've I've toyed with in my own DMing that's not a great idea. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. I realize now, if you save the NPC rather than stopping the villain, don't have the NPC turn into a villain or something. Yeah, it's it like... turns out the, villain, the NPC was the axe murderer and the villain was really the good guy. <laughs> it's like, then that... All that does, it might seem like an interesting story point, but all that does is make me as the player feel robbed of the decision that I made. Yeah, it really undermines any autonomy. Is that the right word? Just the significance of that choice. Yeah. Okay, so what's the third step? Reminders. So if you end up helping the NPC instead of stopping the villain, don't just like forget about that NPC forever. (laughs) Or don't forget about the villain forever. Yeah, Like as soon as this encounter, as soon as this scenario has unfolded, now we've saved the person, they're off, villain's gone, back to the main story. No, the the NPC has to come out of the woodwork to say, hey, I, I, I don't have much, but here's 10 gold and a pie. Like, please, yeah, thank you very much for saving me. And then counter to that, they have to encounter... Just a simple reminder, a wanted poster somewhere of the enemy that they let escape. It doesn't necessarily have to be the main story at that point. Like you said, it can just be little clues in the world. Somebody else says to the party like, oh, thank you so much for saving my sister. That was... Yeah. They could come across somebody on the road that said, yeah, don't go that way because we heard that there was a bandit up there. They already attacked a couple of characters. Oh, shit. That was me. I could have stopped that. Did he have the two-foot mustache? <laughs> uh, that was definitely... That's definitely a hard to mistake a two-foot mustache. That's We're... definitely Mr. Badstash, the criminal lord of the woods. <laughs> yeah, feels dire. Those consequences, Mr. Badstash is on the loose. But just the fact that that keeps coming up will help those players understand that they do, they have that choice. They're creating the world. They're creating the outcomes to all of these scenarios is just those constant little reminders. And if you keep a list of some of these reminders, any decision that you deem important, there are two outcomes to every decision, at least two. And therefore, each one of those outcomes has some ripple effect throughout the world. And... When I go back through my DM's notebook and I've noted, I've thrown a little shorthand star next to a certain question or scenario that played out. I want my players to choose this or this. Now I've thrown a little shorthand star next to that. And if I need a little bit more detail or richness to the world, I'll just make one little note. At some point during the session, bring up this decision that they made 
15 sessions ago, but now their their choices live on long beyond when they should, and they keep reminding the players every choice matters. Which, yeah, that's a really good point, because then they're playing in a world that feels like their creation, rather than what I do sometimes when I feel strapped for ideas and throwing some random, <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, this is a good idea to richen up the world. I'll throw an octopus in the street. <laughs> it's random. They didn't have any choice in that. <laughs> It's just weird. So the final, the final point, what is that one? Permanence. They can't go back and save the NPC once they've stopped the villain. If they try, that NPC has dropped into the pit of spiky acid. They're gone. The scorpions have gotten to them. <laughs> the tarp has fallen. And there's no way out of that pit. Man, what were they doing in that scenario in the first place? We got to unfold that, that little mystery. Dr. Badstash <laughs> put them into his nefarious trap. You know the twist of Mr. Badstash? What's that? When he takes off his hat, he's got another mustache. It's just like a little cowlick in the front that has a little curly cue at the... Ew. I, I, Mr. Badstash needs to die just on that hair choice alone yeah it's a bad stash <laughs> okay so what's the what's the crux of permanence if they go down one road that's the road and you make it clear that the other roads have been removed mm. yeah they can't change their decision post making it which makes that consequence feel all the more permanent and all the more meaningful in the very end anyways yeah you know prime example was, I mean, I remember living through this and I thought for a moment that it was the end, the end end, which was the death of Superman. Mm. We all know how that turned out. In the old comics. Yeah. Well, we might not all be familiar with <laughs> the original dead superhero. Fair enough. Well, Superman died and spoiler alert, came right the fuck back. When they realized, oh, well, we killed the we killed the hero of these comics. I guess oh, that doesn't work. They knew what they were doing. Yeah? They just knew that we would keep buying comic books. But that was kind of the beginning of the end, where it was like, well, no superhero death is ever permanent. They just keep coming back. And now it's almost a parody of itself. And that is just a reflection of how little permanence a lot of those story writing decisions go. Because you have a writer come on to a comic series... And they go, oh, okay, I'm going to do something cool. And then the next writer comes on and says, well, I don't like the decisions of that last one. I'm going to bring on a new one. But what it ended up doing was undermining the importance of any storyline that was ever happening. And we can very easily do this in our own games by not allowing those decisions to really resonate and to really take hold and affect the world. So let's run through a, a short example of what this looks like in practice. So we actually got a lot of this idea from a really neat Kickstarter. If you join our Discord, we'll tell you which one it is. But for the sake of obfuscating some of the details for our players that actually listen to this show, <laughs> we're going to we're going to hide a couple of the details. But basically, the decision that we recently posed to them is they can help two different factions, the Enders or the New Dawn. And the Enders are all about destroying the beast in the middle of the city. And the New Dawn is all about releasing the beast in the middle of the city. So that's their decision point. Who do I help? Which one do I choose? Going down the list, we took a look at awareness. So each group needed a plan that you just covered. They're simple plans, but one's to kill, one's to release. 
Yeah. And now the party knows that they're going to help whichever group they join accomplish that goal. And they're not tenting their fingers and going, yes, join our ranks and then we'll tell you our evil plan. No, because the players need to make an informed decision. Yeah, they need the information out and about. So then they need some kind of consequence. I mean, the the consequences of actually helping a group follow through with that is going to change the game world significantly. This is a pretty big decision point for our game. Yeah, it will end up completely changing the way the campaign progresses. But thinking about this a little deeper, we realize that we can throw in other consequences like they can be known by other NPCs in the city as an ally of whichever group they choose. They'll be treated differently. They might go to, you know, the Enders we designed as a little bit shady, a little bit more underground, and the New Dawn is operating on the surface. So that'll inform kind of the direction of who they deal with in the future. Yeah, can they operate on the surface level? Can they be respected by, say, the police force in this city? Well, if they go with the Enders, maybe not. Maybe they'll have to operate underground, like the kind of radical city destroyers that they could potentially be. Or could they go with the New Dawn and be respected by the police force and be respected by community members of the community, but maybe not accomplish the most moral of outcome? Other consequences are what the groups can actually provide to them. The Enders can provide them money and underground connections. The New Dawn can provide them that respect in the city and the ability to operate without question. One might provide a more tactical advantage in the long run, but the other might provide a lot more freedom of choice and option in the future. The only other thing that we're thinking that maybe we'll pepper in later is they'll have access to a different kind of flavor of abilities or spells or upgrades based on what they do for the group that they side with. Absolutely. The third point, what keeps coming back to remind them of the importance of that decision that they've made? And we didn't really come up with anything super specific, but it's just, again, like we said, it's to keep this in mind as we introduce NPCs and the things that they say to them. And like everything in this city will be a reminder now of the decision they made. We could approach, say, simple taverns. If they have aligned themselves with the far more visible New Dawn, well, now all of a sudden, New Dawn members aren't welcome in these particular taverns. But if they went with the Enders, we can still have the same taverns, but they'll just know that things would have been different if they'd gone with the New Dawn. Yeah, that will be so apparent based on just how people in a certain tavern are going to treat them, or how the law enforcement in the city is going to treat them, or even just how a fruit seller is going to treat them Yeah. in every kind of NPC scenario. And again, we stay away from dropping octopi from the sky <laughs> as a way to spice things up. Yeah. Yeah. And it makes it feel like a rich and lived in world when everyone has opinions of the choices that your heroes make. And finally, permanence. That one's pretty easy in this scenario. We just need to include a bit of open hostility from the other group. If they ever try to go back to that other faction that they did not choose to side themselves with, they are openly hostile. And maybe they have people in the city that are willing to be openly hostile to them on their behalf. And this is actually really significant for our game because before we kind of found this list, we weren't really considering the permanence. 
we were kind of thinking, well, we've created these two groups, so we'll just kind of see what the players do and where they go. And if they go back to the other group, maybe we'll see what happens. But I think this is a way more powerful way to run it, which is, yeah, with that hostility. Well, and we almost had the same scenario regardless of the outcome. And the challenge with that, and this is very common DM advice that I see a lot online, done poorly, it can completely undermine and undervalue your game forevermore, and you can lose an entire table full of people. And that advice is, oh, your players get to choose A or B. Well, it doesn't matter which they choose because the reskinned town that you were planning on using just became either one. And that's okay, but the danger with following that advice, truly following that advice in scenarios like this, where game consequences are supposed to have real meaning, is that if the players ever get a hint of what's behind the curtain, you've lost them. Right. You've completely broken that illusion. That you're just going to slap a new face on whatever you've exactly decided for them you've cooked up a linear story and then you've imposed choice a or b but they interactively lead to the exact same outcome regardless it's just called a different town or it's just the npc now has a different name but ultimately it's the same outcome regardless because you're trying to tell a linear story should that occur it's just it's far too dangerous of a hand grenade to be playing with and planning out all of these four steps for your major world or story catalysts is so, so important. And just use them as a reference for anything else that you want to be an important decision. I think something else that's important to acknowledge about these is that it doesn't all have to be pre-planned. Whatever decision characters make, like even if you don't realize it's going to be a decision and you're just playing the game and you think, oh, that was a cool decision that they made, you can apply all these things after the fact to add significance to it. Yeah, you just draw one of those little aforementioned stars next to that note that says the players made an important decision here. I'm going to brainstorm a couple of different trees. Like if I defeat Mr. Badstash and I take his mustache and glue it to my forelip, <laughs> then you as the DM oh my God. can apply these and make it an interesting choice. Yes, we need to know what the the awareness, consequence, reminders, and permanence of stealing Mr. Badstash's mustache is really going to affect your world. And I know that's ridiculous, but at the same time, if it's something that I as a character have decided that's important, then it's not that hard to throw these in for me. That's surprisingly a very salient point. <laughs> the last thing I wanted to say on it is that this is for players too. How so? I'm playing a character and you're playing a character. <laughs> and let's say I've done the bad stash thing. Okay. You can respond to my decisions and make them important. If your character really doesn't like facial hair. Sure. You can respond to me in the future. You can give me consequences to that decision between our two characters. You can give me reminders and permanence and all that. Yes. For every night that you sleep with uh, Mr. Badstash's stash on your forelip, I beat you with a sack of coins. That's a consequence. <laughs> That's a consequence. <laughs> sure. If you've got a better example, let me know. No. <laughs> that was perfect. So hopefully you get the same thing out of this that we got, which is not feeling unsure of all of these decision trees that we try and make for ourselves and going into games knowing you've got the tools to make these choices more interesting. And it's as simple as four easy steps. Yeah. Okay, so time to jump to a new segment. 
called Millie's Shop of Wonders. What magical trinket can't you discover among the shelves in Millie's Shop of Wonders? So the inspiration for this segment comes from some really visceral real world stuff. <laughs> it's deep. It's rich. And it's, it's important. While we were writing this episode, <laughs> Travis was playing with some scissors. <laughs> and he took them apart, and that turned them into daggers. We thought, daggers are cool. And I tried to use them on them, but to no avail. Because <laughs> they were he's, too dull. He's too crafty. And I've developed a thick hide. <laughs> a rhinoceros hide. <laughs> impenetrable by normal scissors. <laughs> this is the thing, is that we come across some really neat concepts for magical items and items to be used in our games. And we wanted some kind of venue to share some of those neat ideas when we find them. So you choose which ones, which one you're going to use. This is a meaningful choice. A or B. Yes. A is a pair of daggers that was recently posted by Dungeons of Doom on Instagram, which uh, I'm a regular follower of, but originally posted on RD&D, on Reddit, by Pixelated Tony. While I might not fully agree with the implementation of these daggers, I find them a little bit overpowered for my game. I would probably make a couple of tweaks, but we can we can kind of talk about what tweaks we would make to this. The basics are a pair of daggers called the Songbirds. Lovely. Lovely, right? Each dagger is the Wren and the Nightingale. In the original pitch for the daggers, both were plus one daggers, and the real cool kind of hook for these daggers is that they have an ethereal connection. The wren and the nightingale are always aware of the location of their opposite. And the wielder of one of these daggers can teleport directly to the other. Oh. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. That's some cool strategy you can do on the battlefield. That's where I think kind of the weakness of this might be and i would probably tweak this before i introduced it to my game because it is very open with can teleport uh there's no telling how far that is however if i were to put some restrictions on it say like ability to use it once per short rest or three times per long rest or something like that and then give the ability a limitation like, say, can teleport up to 60 feet. Mm. Well, now you've got some daggers that, say, your rogue in your party can throw. And if it sticks wherever it, wherever it lands, if you were able to hit an opponent, now all of a sudden the rogue can teleport and use it kind of like Misty Step. Yeah, cool. And then just jump there and then keep shanking. Or you can give, you can be a nice rogue and give one of your daggers to another party member. Mm-hmm. Then you can bounce around and get behind each other, and I like that. This is what I like about cool magical items, is that the creativity... Is on I, the player, yeah. Exactly. Like, the player can do whatever the hell they want with it, and the joy of some of these items is in your players finding a really creative application or a very, very niche use case in this one particular scenario that they find themselves in. They're in some kind of death trap. Well, they figured out a really cool way of using teleporting daggers to yeah. get themselves out of that scenario. Yeah, and then then it's a cool moment because they came up with a solution. Totally. 
If I were tweaking these daggers myself, I would probably make one plus one attack and plus one damage. So you'd need to have both to use to get both benefits. But I don't know. That's just me. If I were to tweak them, I'd have them rechargeable by tapping them together three times and saying, tweet, little birdies, tweet. No. And then they sing like a bird song. (laughs) That's awful. What's yours? (laughs) What did you... Let's let's hear what you got. All right. So mine comes from Instagram. We got Mr. James Gifford on there that presented, came with some cool art that uh, he did for it too. But these are the Shadow Glass Daggers. Ooh. They do, I like the name already. <laughs> they, yeah, they sound cool. Definitely better than uh, Driz Dorden's. Oh, yeah. Twinkle. <laughs> Twinkle. And Icing Death. <laughs> Sorry, Ari, but those are funny. <laughs> um, okay, so the Shadow Glass Daggers. They do a little bit of extra necrotic damage, 1d4. And the cool part to me was that these daggers pass through cloth and skin, leaving no visible wound. All damage is internal. Interesting. How That's do you heal that shit? dagger. I just like the idea somebody was just stabbed and you like you feel the dagger enter Ooh. your stomach. And then it retracts. And then it retracts and, and there's like, no visible oh, wound. That smarts. <laughs> but I just look like a wimp. Oh <laughs> <laughs> That's the that's the takeaway is that you get shanked like sixteen times in the prison yard and then everyone makes fun of you because you're just you're <laughs> You're like a soccer player who just doesn't even get touched, but immediately falls to the ground and starts. <laughs> yeah, guard, my belly hurts real bad. <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> These daggers just got a lot less cool. No, but they're badass. They are pretty neat. You can use them in all kinds of scenarios and say, "Wasn't me." Well, hopefully, you can use one of those in your game. Give your rogue in your party something to work with. Tell us which one, and also. Tell us if the and also tell us if the decision making structure in this episode helped you at all. You can do that on our Discord, our Reddit, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Hook and Chance. Whatever. We want to hear from you. Yes. We want your ideas to make us better. Because <laughs> we're We want to mind your brain gold. <laughs> yes. Thank you for tabletop audio for the sound effects that you heard in this and every other episode and Thanks, Thanks for, for listening, listening and, and grow many mustaches games wherever you find the need. Stab Mr. Badstash with Ren or Nightingale. The more mustaches I have, the more powerful I become.